Good morning. Howdy. We'll give him a second to get this, the level right. My name is Jonathan Stone. I'm a, first and foremost a member of the Fighting Texas A.E. class of 1990. <laughs> uh, I've been married with, uh, to, to Ray Lee for almost 23 years. Our anniversary is in about two weeks. And uh, it, we just, we've known each other for over 30 years. She's one of my best friends. I think we've got a, a picture of my family up here. I hope I got it. There I am. There we are. And I've got my uh, daughter standing next to me, Sophia. She just graduated A&M and is in Washington, D.C. And there's Alethea. She's a sophomore at A&M and actually interning at Unbound this summer. And there's Joshua. He's a junior now at Bryan High and is a lifeguard over at the, uh, at the pool. So they have brought, they're some of my favorite people on the planet, really. They brought such great joy. And I was thinking about it when I was thinking about this intro you know, in, in Isaiah 54, it says your children will be taught by the Lord. It doesn't say they'll be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. And when you think about that, you know, our position as parents is to get them in a position to be taught by the Lord. You even think about the Great Commission and you say, go and make disciples. We're trying to make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of me. And the sooner you realize that, the, the greater your peace will be as a family. Even when they grow up and they leave the house. You know, uh, and all the empty nesters said, amen. <laughs> well, thanks for you all for coming. Today, let's talk about rest. R-E-S-T, rest. Anybody say rest? rest. Good. I really want to encourage the interaction today. So even the amens, the oohs, the oh mys, whatever you can interact would be great. If it hits you, you go, oh, ouch, whatever, however it hits you. <clears throat> uh, but I thought I'd stir you up a little bit. It's kind of funny to talk about stirring you all up, letting the word stir you up. To, to dwell and meditate on rest. But let's stir up a little bit and then we can talk in, in table groups. Um, but before we do, I want to take a quick survey. Um, how many people think rest is a verb? And a couple. How many think rest is a noun? Oh, a little dissension in the crowd here. How about let's start with something a little bit more foundational. I was thinking about this. That, you know, <clears throat> how about love? How many think love is a verb? Hmm. How many think love is a noun? Huh? We still got some dissension here. Now, I'm not trying to confuse anything. You know, I could ask is grace a person, place, or thing? You know what I mean? You're like, oh, where are we going with this? I think mankind can complicate things, if that makes any sense. But the word of God simplifies things. I, I really am not trying to ask any harder question than is rest a noun or a verb to you today? Don't overcomplicate it. If you get lost in my professorism or whatever. You know what I mean? You say, really, the question is very simple. We're not trying to go complicated, but we can go deep. Does that make sense? The word of God is not shallow. We can dive deep into even a very simple topic like, is rest a noun or a verb to you? So that really is the bottom line here. Turn me with me, if you would, to Hebrews 4.11. Y'all know that we're, this summer we're using Hebrews, the let us statements as a basis for us to talk about some of these things. I see all the paper Bibles, by the way. I really want to do a shout out for the paper Bibles. We do not discourage, we encourage paper Bibles. And I get an oorah. Oorah. I thought maybe Daniel would be here and he's going to give me a, an oorah. All right, Hebrews 4.11. I'm going to read out of the, um, <clears throat> the New King James Version. I'll tell you why here in just a minute. There's just different translations, you know. It says Hebrews 4.11. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, 
lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Let us therefore be diligent, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So let's dive deep. You know, first, let me assert to you that the let us here is really us. It really applies to us. I'm pretty sure it's the plural version of y'all, which of course is all y'all, right? Yeah. yeah. In first person, it's probably all we all, but the second thing I want to say, and, and we still can make a whole other sermon about this, but I'm not really going to talk a lot about the disobedience part. It's described earlier in the chapter, even has several examples, but let me assert to you that it really has to do with a lack of faith, a lack of believing God's word and not receiving, keeping his word. I know we can make a whole sermon out of that, but, but we're going to not touch on that. But just in case, is there anybody here that wants to fall by the same uh, disobedience of the examples? I'm not even going to count hands. Just, just come up and talk to me afterwards. We can talk about Deuteronomy 28. But now that we kind of get those two bookends off, let's just dive a little bit deep. Let us be diligent into that rest. Some versions say strive, make every effort, do our best. You know, I did a word study on that word, and it really is mean be diligent, be pr- and which is closer to being purposeful. Uh, you know, it's, it's not the work word, it's more of a posture word. In fact, when I was doing this study, I saw that there's 46 other Greek words that have strive in the definition that the Lord could have used here. But this is more about being purposeful to enter, enthusiastically enter, which is more of a posture than an actual action. So back to the, the noun versus the verb question. Is rest a noun or a verb in this verse? Shout it out. Noun, verb, both? I think the nouns have it, actually, because it says we enter into it. In fact, rest here is something we enter into. If you can imagine we entered into this building. You know, we enter. I can imagine a sign, now entering Texas, now entering College Station. When you enter something, you actually become surrounded by it on all sides. You say, uh, in fact, that's probably a message on its own, right? You enter into something and get surrounded by it. Um, say, this scripture is talking about rest as a noun and something that we enter. You say, it's that rest. You say, what, what is that rest? You say, don't you love it when the answer is still in the word of God? Let's go to the previous verse, Hebrews 4.10, if you would. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. See, when it says be diligent to enter that rest, it's be diligent to enter God's rest. The rest here is actually both a noun and a verb. Back to this question. It has God's rest is the noun, first is the noun, also rests, which is the verb. It's two different Greek words, actually. Now you say, why are we talking about this? Wait a minute, you know, and here's, I guess, what I feel like the foundational dilemma that happens for people. Is you say, does anybody have the, 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 the problem reconciling basically all these other scriptures that talk about going and rest? Does that make sense? You know, there's a scripture in James that says, you know, don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. You say, we look at the Great Commission, you know, in Matthew, and it talks about somebody's got to have it memorized. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, therefore... Go and make disciples of all the nations, right? Baptize them in the name of the Son and the Father, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded. So there's a lot of verbs going on in here, Jonathan. 
Add on Mark, you know, take on it, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Cast out demons, uh, speak in new tongues. Anybody having a trouble reconciling the rest, you know, challenge with all these other challenges? That's really what we're going to talk about. I know it's simple, but we're just diving deep just a little bit. You say, I propose that the answer is in the word. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and in fact, you don't, you don't love it when the answer is actually in the next verse, Hebrews 4.12. I did it a little bit out of order, but, you know, you got to love it when the, the, word, the answer is right there. And it makes you just want to keep on reading. This next verse has a lot of meat in it. So just think again, simple but deep. Hebrews 4.12 says, uh, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. I'm going to count that as body. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So first of all, the word of God pierces deep, deeper than our body, deeper than even something in our soul, pierces down into our spirit. It's funny, this is an old... <clears throat> faith movement scripture. We use this. I had this memorized when I was, a, you know, young because it really describes to us that we're a three-part being. We used to even chant, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. In fact, can we even say that just for old time's sake? I am a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. You say, if you get a revelation of this three-part being thing, it really solves a lot of problems. I think people sometimes live kind of discombobulated lives, really, because they're, they don't realize their soul is wanting to go one way, and the Lord is actually saying, go this other way. And they get so kind of discombobulated, they don't realize three-part being, they think, let's just let the body take over. And then it gets addicted to sugar, and gets addicted to caffeine, whatever, you know. You say, you get this kind of out of alignment. Let's just, just take a second for a second. <clears throat> if you really want to talk about spirit, soul, body, just think about the overflow question. Say, so what does the body overflow with? You say, actually, let's not talk about what the body overflows with. You say, that's gross. You say, we, don't, we talk about that with your doctor. Does that make sense? You say, but also the soul, if it overflows, you say, that's, that's the Greek word psyche. Psychologists, you know, specialize in this. What does it overflow with? Mind, will, and emotions. It might overflow with something like, I'm mad that I'm not the center of the universe. Now, now I'm happy that you're sad. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's still a mess. You, you know, does it make sense? Yeah. You say, our soul was not meant to be, isn't the, the deepest part of us. It's, it's there for a purpose, but it's not where we commune with the Lord. We commune with the Lord in our spirit. Yeah. You say... <clears throat> It, it, it explains a little bit about, you know, God even breathing. In fact, the, the word for spirit there is pneuma, pneumatic. God breathed life into Adam, right? Spiritual life happened to dirt. It's amazing. But it also kind of explains why when Adam and Eve sinned, spiritual sin entered the world, even though their bodies didn't die. Does that make sense? Jesus came to redeem us from that. Praise God, right? We, we, we get redemption from that. We'll talk about that in just a second. It says, even in Romans 5, 12, you know, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. He's talking about death in our spirits. It obviously overflowed, causes death in our bodies. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. Hallelujah. If you get a revelation of that, you can overflow from your spirit 
and bring alignment to your whole being. You can bring alignment to your soul. You can bring alignment to your body. And it, it's a transforming, you know, it's a whole other message on its own. Sorry, we get a little sidetracked here, but. You know, in Ephesians 2, 4, I thought about trying to have everybody stay in Hebrews, but we really need to turn over to Ephesians, especially, I was reading again this morning, and I want to read the whole chapter. But, I mean, let's just go to 2, 4. <clears throat> Ephesians is one of my favorite, favorite books. In fact, I was talking with Ray Lee this morning, and, and I, I sometimes I read this and I forget off the first two words, and it's, but God. And really, the but God part is this one of those shouting moments. You know, you say, in my testimony, I was down in despair, but God, you know. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated in heavenly places right now, hallelujah, in our spirits. When you receive Jesus as Lord, you get reborn. You get seated. And by the way, shout out to Dan last week. I just sat there in awe. He's talking about entering the throne of grace. And, and receiving really the finished work of the cross, being able to enter into his presence. We're not talking about that much different of a topic. I'm just relabeling it rest. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the rest is somewhere we enter. Yeah. Say so back to rest. Isn't, you know, in fact, when I was doing this study, you got to love the Greek language. The, the word for rest is kata pausen. Now I may be mispronouncing both those. You don't have to memorize it. But the word kata is a prefix that means bring down from a higher place. And, and pausen, of course, it looks like or similar to our English word pause. When we enter this God's rest that he's talking about, we're literally bringing down from a higher place rest. This, this seated in heavenly places, tie it together. We're in rest in our spirit. And when we rest <laughs> as a verb, we're basically overflowing from a state you know, and bringing it down to a, 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 from a higher place. You know, I, I, I love the word rest. I mean, I, I, it's great. But one of my favorite words is peace. And it's shalom. You know, and back, now we go over to Hebrew. It's translated peace. But, you know, the, the a fuller definition of it might be completeness, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. You know, Jesus even referred to himself as the, the Prince of Peace. He's, you know, uh, the Lord in the Old Testament, he's revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom. You know, if you tie these kind of things together, in fact, well, Jesus even said, you know, <clears throat> I leave you peace, not as the world even understands, but a peace that surpasses understanding. It surpasses what your brain can understand. It surpasses what your soul can understand. Does that make sense? I know I'm saying the same thing over and over again. But the peace that the Lord gave us is something in our spirit. So I propose to you that rest is both a noun and a verb. And if you're treating it like just a verb, think about it. You say, I'm working Monday to Friday. I've got to rest on Saturday. It becomes an action that I'm doing after all of my other actions. You say you could build your whole life that way. We get to do it on the other side. If it makes sense, our Sabbath is on a Sunday. We get to focus on the Lord and what he's done 
on a Sunday. We're, I mean, I, I don't know when it happened in Christianity, but it, but it did. And we say, our Sabbath is on a Sunday. And we get to dwell in a place of rest first and then overflow from that place of rest into action. You think, this is all pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you think about it, if you get these mixed up, you say, hey, rest is just a verb to me. The fourth commandment even says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. I mean, the Jews take it very, very seriously. But if they approach it, I'm just proposing, if they, propose, if they approach it from a doing perspective, a verb, they can get, become experts at the verb part of rest. And let me give you the example. You go to Israel, even to this day, and there are elevators that started on Friday night. They turn into Shabbat elevators. And what happens is the elevator goes on automatic mode. It literally goes to the top floor and then it goes down to odd floors and even floors. And, and what it allows the, the, the serious people entering Shabbat you know, rest is they don't have to lift their finger to push a button. They can just kind of shuffle onto the elevator and shuffle off when their floor happens. Now, I'm not trying to make fun of it. What I'm trying to say is you can take it to a point where if you even take, hey, I'm going to do what the Lord says to do, I'm going to rest, and treat it like a verb, <laughs> you can go to that extent. Does that make sense? Um, you know, one of my other favorite words in Hebrew, sorry, it's like word study all over, but, but is uh, selah. You know, you particularly find it in, in Psalms, and it, it, my loosely translated version of it is, you know, stop and pause and reflect or, or let the Lord further reveal what he's just now spoken. You're going to have a moment to do that actually here in just a minute. Right before, you know, we go into tables, right before we go into worship, I'm going to challenge you all to pause. Are you treating rest like a verb or a noun? You say, but before we do, let's actually read Matthew eleven twenty five. And this is Jesus speaking. He kind of summarizes it a little bit for us. And I think Jesus is actually talking to a group of, of people and then turns basically to the Father and does a little prayer. Matthew eleven twenty five. He says, uh, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Uh, let's skip down to verse 28, actually. Come to me, all who, are late, who, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, in his spirit. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when you take this revelation seriously on the other side, where you say rest is a place for me, and choose to overflow from it, you can, again, bring alignment in your soul and into your, into your body. You become restful. You're bringing peace to a, a world that needs peace. You're bringing rest to a restless world. And Billy and I would love that phrase. You know, in Psalm 91, it says, For uh, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's just all these scriptures kind of all coming together. Say, I want to encourage you indeed today, you know, in Hebrews 4.11, back to is rest a noun or verb. I want to encourage you today to be diligent to enter God's rest. Treat rest not just like a verb, but a place that we dwell. Live in God's rest, in the spirit. 
receive the finished work of the cross, what Jesus has done. Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I receive it. Operate from a place of rest. You don't have to just be stationary, but operate from a place of rest. And as you overflow with verbs, actions, do it from a place of rest, a state of being, a noun, purpose in your hearts to overflow with the rest and actually do rest. Amen? Amen. Um, we're going to get into the table discussion, but let me pray real quick, and then I'll, we'll get a couple questions uh, throughout the time. Everything going to be okay? I felt like I wanted more interaction, and I, I, I don't know if I forgot the interaction, but I... Uh, we got in the zone, so I really uh, appreciate this format because I really do feel like we get to start overflowing and tables and stuff, and I'll come here at the very end and we'll try to summarize. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for rest. Thank you for creating a place of rest that we can all dwell in rest. Thank you, Lord, that you yourself are a high tower of refuge, and we choose to rest in you, Lord. We choose to dwell in you and in your name. We thank you that, you that you give us a greater revelation of how, what it looks like to live our lives from a place of peace, live our lives from a place of rest in the spirit. And may it indeed overflow from us and bring alignment to all the aspects of our life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.